Numbers uh, 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? This book is filled with promises. It's filled with promises from God. I mean, we could spend forever going through all the promises that God speaks in His Word. And they're all great. They're all for everybody. They're, they're, they're just as alive today as they were when they were pinned on the paper. <clears throat> But this morning, I want to talk about the promises that He speaks to us individually. The promises that He speaks and whispers to us in the secret place. Because promise flows from His voice. When He speaks, we can rely on it. When He speaks, he, it's, a, it's a firm foundation. And intimacy allows us, intimacy allows us to hear his promises for our life. And it, the, the, the most incredible thing of it all is that every day we can expect new promises. I mean, we rely on the promises written here, but, but to me, the promises that he speaks directly to me are so sacred. They're so precious. They're specific for each and every one of us. They're specific for our circumstances. They're specific for where we are in life. And He's not one that wants to withhold those. He wants to release them. We have to take a position to where we can hear them and that we can receive them. Joshua 23:14 says, "Now behold, today I'm going the way of all the earth, and you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one word of all the good words which the Lord your God spoke concerning you has failed. All have been fulfilled for you, not one of them has failed." When God promises something, He fulfills it. Sometimes it doesn't happen as quickly as we'd like it to. Sometimes it takes a little too long, in my opinion. But He's not a God that dangles carrots in front of us to keep us going. He's a God of intimacy, one that wants us to, to have hope. Um, I think the last, I mean, I want to say this year has been a a year of promise, but I think the last two years of my life has been, has been God continuously speaking promises into my life. And some I've seen fulfilled and some I'm still waiting for. Specifically, 
a, a year, I don't know, a year and a half ago, probably now, I don't know. I keep telling the story and I say a year, but eventually I got to start saying more than a year, right? <laughs> eventually. God told me that if I was intimate with him, he would bring my kids back into his covenant. And I said, well, what should I say to them? What should I do? How should I? He says, if you're intimate with me, they'll follow me. And so I took him at his word. And I have four kids. I have four daughters. And two of them just received calls to ministry a month ago. Praise God. He's a God that fulfills his promise. A year, well, around the same time frame, God also said, I'm going to heal you of MS. He actually told me not to go to a neurologist appointment. Which if I told my mom that, she'd think I was crazy. So don't tell my mom. <laughs> and I'm... I think this, this last month has probably been the hardest month as far as physically and health-wise for me uh, in six or seven years. And it's been hard. I'm just going to be honest. It's been hard to hold to the promise that God spoke to me. I mean, I, I know what the promise of His Word says, that He's a healer. This is not His will for us to... But he spoke it to me. And so I hold true to that promise. I have to. <clears throat> so sometimes we, we see promises fulfilled quickly. Some take longer. Some take faith. Some take us constantly and repeatedly speaking them over our lives, sometimes moment by moment of every day. John 14, 12 through 15 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 14 says, just continue to 16 through 18. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, but it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. John 15, 7 through 10. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. 
Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. John 14, 18 says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Come on. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> Dan talks about the glory to glory and the two part, right? The, the two part is where it gets hard, right? I mean, it just does. I mean, when we're in the glory, it's fantastic. But when we're in between, sometimes it's easy to feel like we've been left high and dry. Sometimes we don't see the promise fulfilled, so we get weary. We often, I think, forget the promise. I even think that this morning God wants to not only establish new promises in your hearts, but he also wants to remind you of promises that he spoke over your hearts and your life. It could be years ago. See, when God speaks, (laughs) there is somebody that likes to take what he spoke away. John 10.10 says, The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. We had an encounter this morning. That was an encounter. I'm convinced that many revival services, many, many times that we encounter God and he comes really close, that the moment that we walk out the door, the enemy is going to try to use our circumstances to steal what God just did. Every time. If God heals you or delivers you, he will use that very thing to say and implant doubt in our hearts to take the promise of God away. It it happens every time. At least for me, every time that I've encountered God, the enemy tries to take it. Every time. So we have that reality that the enemy will try to take the encounter away. He'll try to remove the promise of God from our lives. The good news is, he doesn't have the authority to do it. (laughs) Come on. He doesn't have the authority to remove anything or undo anything that God has done. So how does he do it? 
We let him. We hand him our authority. Anytime that we come into agreement with anything other than God, we have laid down our God-given authority and handed it to the enemy. That's like being on the, on the battlefield and laying down your guns and saying, here. It's the same thing. The enemy does not have the authority to take away God's promise. The promise that He's spoken to you. I believe that He's speaking to us now. John 8.44 says, you are, you are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning. It does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. For he is a liar and the father of lies. The enemy will always use our right now circumstances to nullify the promise that God has deposited in our heart. He will always use the reality of our situation to make us believe something other than what God has spoken. Because it's his, easiest, it's his easiest weapon. We all have circumstances. We all have stuff. We all have something going on in our life at one point or the other. And sometimes it's hard to see God in it. This last month, it was hard some days to see God in it. It was easier for me to believe the lies of the enemy. It was easier to just go, woe is me. <laughs> God doesn't care. I guess I heard wrong. That's one thing I think the enemy uses against me all the time. I don't think he just uses it against me. I think he uses it against God's people. Well, did you really hear God? <laughs> that one statement. He didn't have to say anything else. He doesn't have to get us to sin. He doesn't have to, he doesn't have to get us to look at pornography or lust or, or do all the drink, whatever it is. Whatever your thing is. He doesn't have to do any of that. All he has to do is make you doubt the promise that God spoke with one simple statement. Did you really hear God? Did he really say that? Or were you just hopeful that he would do that for you? I can't tell you how many times I've talked myself out of God's promise because of that one statement the enemy made to me. Over and over and over and over again. I've handed him the authority because of doubt. 
And here's the thing, too. And I hate saying this, but it's, it's in the words, so it's true. <laughs> is that sometimes God's promise isn't always great. Sometimes God says, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Acts 9, what is that, 16, somewhere in there? (laughs) Sometimes God's promise isn't exactly, woo! Psalm 36, 9 says, in, this is, these are the most, the six simplest words. In your light, we see light. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've read the Psalms over and over and over and over again, and I, this just hit me like two weeks ago. In your light, we see light. So when we're in His light, I mean, you could spin this many different ways. You really could. You could preach this, this verse right here. It's, you could preach this many different ways. But in your light, we see light. So you, when we're in His light, we see from His perspective. All we can see is light. Even when we're looking and staring into the darkness, we have hope. You ever, you ever watch a storm rolling in? You're in, a, you're in the sunshine. <laughs> Mary Kay, you're so funny. I love you. <laughs> you ever watch a storm rolling in and you're in the sunshine and the storm clouds look so, 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 so dark? You can tell how dark and how ominous that storm is but you're in the light. So what happens when the storm does come in? The darkness doesn't seem as dark anymore, does it? When we're in darkness, it's easy for us to say, I think it's lightening up. Well, the clouds aren't that dark. I guess it wasn't as bad as it looked. You could spend that many different ways too. But for the, this morning, when we release and allow the enemy to remove the promise from our life, we enter into darkness because that's what we see. When we remove the promise of God from our life, we can no longer really see the light. So we enter into darkness and then we make excuses that I guess it's not that dark. I mean, we saw the darkness from a distance when we were in the light. We knew how dark it was, right? When we get into the darkness, we can say, well, it's not that bad. It's not as bad as I thought it was. We begin to make excuses that I guess this isn't so bad. I mean, I can still see, clouded as it may be, And let's be honest, when we're in the darkness, we can't see the promise of God for our life. We can 
read about them in here, but then this is just generalized. We can't see the promise for our life, our life, the promise that He speaks directly to us, the promise that's only for us, that we have a Papa in heaven that would speak promises just for me. So when we hand off our promise, our life goes from hope and joy to despair and depression. We have nothing to live for. I mean, you can, you can say we have this, or we have family, we have kids, we have a wife, all that kind of stuff. Sure. But when we don't have promise, then there's nothing to look forward to. So Hebrews 10, 35 through 39 says, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. Hmm. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. How many of us have thrown away our confidence? When I haven't believed in the promise that God spoke over my life, confidence goes, whoop, it's gone. I have zero confidence. Because all I can see is what the enemy tells me. That I'm not good enough, or that this is never going to work, or over and over and over and over again. There was a question that was asked in our men's group. And I'll probably kind of get it wrong, but basically what it was was, can God trust you with all of his power? Can God trust you if he grants you full authority? Huh. Can you accept it? Would you believe it? Again, God's not, he's not dangling a carrot in front of us. It's not a carrot for me. It's usually like a piece of cheesecake or something, but I don't want to go carrots. That's not enticing to me at all. <laughs> Donut maybe? Yes, yes. You can keep the carrots. I think about that commercial I think it was an insurance commercial where the old man's got a fishing pole and he's got a dollar. He says, I got you a dollar. Oh, you got to be quicker than that. I think we, I think we truly, I think the church thinks that who God, that's who God is. 
I think we live from a posture that God dangles things in front of us and then just as we're ready to grab it, He yanks it away. And I think there's evidence of that in the church. Because if we lived in God's promise, then there would be revival everywhere. If we lived absolutely firm on His promise, then no one would get offended and leave the church. Nobody would care what we sang on Sunday morning because we're just in His presence. If we actually believed the promise. If we accepted it for our life. Otherwise, the enemy has full access. I mean, isn't that what happened in Genesis 3? (laughs) Isn't that what happened to the fall of man? We handed the enemy our authority. Adam said, here you go. God gave him all authority and he handed it to the enemy. The glorious part of all of it is that we can take it back. I mean, at one point or another, we've all handed over our authority. All of us. Whether we've got it today or we don't, at some point in our life, we've handed over our authority. We've handed over the promise of God to the enemy and it accepted all of these empty promises. The dollar on the fish hook. Because that's who the enemy is. Look at all this flashy stuff. Look at all the things you can have. Look at all the pleasure you can have. And then it gets ripped away. Because that's the game he plays. <laughs> but then we associate that to God. Yeah. How messed up is that? Because nowhere in his word is he that kind of God. If we know this, then we know his heart. Second Corinthians 1.20 says, For as many as are the promises of God... In Him they are yes. Therefore also through Him is our amen to the glory of God through us. He isn't just a promise maker. He's the promise keeper. You ever made a promise in your life that you didn't fulfill? If you say no, you're a liar. Just calling you out right now. I remember when I was a kid, my dad didn't really make promises but he would, whenever I'd ask him if we would, could do something, he'd say, I don't know, which usually meant no. I'm like, why do you? I mean, eventually I figured out that whenever dad said, I don't know, it meant no. And I figured at that, I mean, at, at that point in my life, I wish he would just start saying no. 
Why are you stringing me along? I know what you mean. You mean no, because you just, I don't, and he wasn't, he's the kind of guy that would actually, I think, enjoy saying no. So I don't know why he wouldn't say it. He just, I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> but, but along the lines of we, we, we deflect what our earthly father did to our heavenly father. When I asked God something for the, for the longest time, when I asked God something, I always thought his response was, I don't know. And I'm not blaming my dad. That's on me. So get, I mean, if you're over the age of 18, you're still blaming your parents. You got something wrong. I'm being serious. Under 18, yeah, your parents are the devil. I mean, truthfully, I mean, come on. There are points in time where you just like, you know, get, I mean, but when you get, when you hit over, you got to stop blaming people for your own problems. You got to stop going, well, I mean, and we do it even with the enemy. We give him all sorts of credit. You gave me a flat tire today. Tim, your car wouldn't start this morning. Did you blame the devil for it? No. It wasn't the devil. Your just car wouldn't start. It's just what happened. The devil wasn't like, I'm going to get to him today. I'm going to make up. <laughs> he, he, he is not doing that. He'd much rather just go, Tim, did God really say that? Because that's more effective than giving him a flat tire or making his car not start. Tim showed up today, right? He's just a little bit late. We got to stop giving him credit. Because he doesn't have authority. His authority was stripped 2,000 years ago. He doesn't have any. And any that he does have, it's fake because we've just given it to him. We've given him the keys to our life and our minds. So at some point, we have to shift our head knowledge to our heart knowledge. They, they tend to, we use experience and circumstances and it blocks what we know. And our circumstances don't mean anything. Stuff happens. It will always happen. It doesn't matter how close you get to Jesus. And I'm just convinced the closer you get to Jesus, the more stuff happens. You read the book, and the disciples and the apostles were, I mean, oh my gosh, the stuff they went through. Do you think they held on to the promise? Because they didn't give the enemy the foothold. They still had joy in the midst of their suffering. Because they held true to the promise. So what has God promised you? What has God spoken to you? That you've handed to the enemy. That you've allowed the enemy to steal and take. Because it took too long. Sometimes it's every day, guys. 
I have to speak those promises over my life repeatedly. And when he speaks a promise, write it down. I don't know why, but sometimes when God speaks to me, you would think I'd remember everything that God said. But if I don't write it down, I forget. So if I write it down, I can look back and go, no, God said that he would do this. So the enemy, get out of my head. You don't belong. Because we have the authority to do it. The promise is ours. <laughs> He's such a good, good papa, isn't he? It doesn't mean that we're going to be millionaires. It doesn't mean that everything is going to go our way. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be, you know, sunshine and rainbows. But it means that even in the midst of the crap and the trouble, we can have joy. We can have hope. Because we're holding true to the promise that He spoke over our life. And if you can't think of any promises that He's spoken to you, then you need to get alone with Him. Because he's, he is waiting in anticipation to speak those promises to you. Yes. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Come on. So good. That the, the creator of the universe is waiting in anticipation to speak to you. Yes. Come on. That it pleasures his heart. To be able to speak to you, to talk to you. He already knows what you have to say, but he still wants to hear it. Oh my gosh. That God would take the time to listen to me. That he would take the time to speak life into me and promise into me. So that I could walk in his authority. And not so that I can be somebody but so that I can give it away. So that all that I come in contact with can know that I have a promise. That regardless of my situation, I cling to it. And sometimes it's by, oh, it's by, it's by a fingernail. I mean, we're human. We're, we have flesh. It gets... It gets hard. What I'm saying is not easy. It's an easy concept. But in the thick of it, it's not easy. (laughs) But aren't you glad he's not just a promise maker, he's the promise keeper? He doesn't just speak, he fulfills. And even if it doesn't happen as quickly as we'd like it to, get over it. He's God. He can do whatever He wants. We're just supposed to follow Him. Jesus said, follow me. Not from a distance. 
He wants to hold our hand. He wants to put his arm around us. He wants to be so close to us that that's all we can feel is him, his embrace. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> He's not a far off God. Oh my gosh. So, what promise? What promise have you allowed the enemy to take? This morning, as we worshiped, I got this, this, this feeling that I, was, I had my eyes closed. I was ugly crying, I think. I mean, sorry, Brett and Colin, you had to look at that. And Ethan, sorry about that. But, and I got this instant feeling that I was so small. And I looked up, and I was before the throne. Oh, my gosh. And I couldn't see God, but, but I could feel his gaze and his delight. What happens when we get close with God? He gets even closer to us. Oh my gosh, guys. I was going to say like 40 more minutes worth of stuff. But it's all gone now. I know you're saying, praise God. I was going to list all the promises in the Bible. We were going to hand out sandwiches. It was all going to be good. I believe, and it's not even just a belief, I know that God is going to restore promise in His people. And when He restores the promise, He's going to begin to speak new promise. Because I believe that that daily, daily we can have new promise spoken into our hearts by God. We don't have to rely on the promise that was spoken a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago. We don't have to rely on the promise that is yet to come because He wants to speak new promise right now today. 
How amazing is it going to be when we allow Him to restore the promises that we've handed over to the enemy? When we rest in His presence to the degree that we can no longer see or hear the enemy. We know He's there, but He's no longer... He's no, he's no longer loud enough. So Jesus... I ask that you would restore promises in this room. That you'd even remind us of promises that you've spoken years ago that we forgot. I pray against the accusations of the enemy. I pray against the condemnation that he spills from his mouth. Would your promise take such root in our heart that's all we focus on. That's all we can see. Even in the midst of the storm, even in the midst of the trouble. That your promise is what we gaze at. That your promise is what we cling to. And it doesn't matter if we've got a full hold of it or if all we've got is a finger on it. That it's still at the forefront of our minds. I pray that we would, we would take the time to receive new promise for our lives. This is a choice. This isn't something that, we, that I can pray in existence for anybody. It's a choice that each of us have to make this morning. But may there be grace for it, God. That we would restore the promises that you've spoken and that we would allow new promises to be spoken into our hearts every single day. That you're the only one that catches our gaze. That you're the only one that we give our life to. That any doubt would be cast to the pits of hell.
You have no authority over God's people. And therefore, we take back, <laughs> we take back what is rightfully ours. Because we are heirs of Christ. You're so good, Papa. Your love is so sweet. Your correction is so gentle. In Jesus' name, amen.